subatomic gigantic occasion was a sweep in Japan nation when along came a dude with an ultra attitude, a common Morado, the greatest kicker of Japan. And of all man. Last you short now, baby. To not talk big now, baby. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah. And joining me, as always, my lovely co-host and editor. Hello, I am Rex. And we are back at it again for the second episode of 2024. And we are beginning the hype train. I guess the Strayal Monsters kind of started it. Yeah, um, yeah. That was kind of our intent with it. With the hype train for the upcoming release of Legendary Pictures and Warner Brothers Godzilla Kong. The New Empire, New mm. America, at Waffle House. I don't eat waffles, so, you know. Do you eat pancakes? No. Because waffles are just muscular pancakes. <laughs> well, I drink neither. Wait. You eat. drink neither? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would hope you're not drinking the batter exclusively because that could get you like salmonella or something crazy. <laughs> are you sure you're not drinking something? Or are you hey, under the influence? Hey, hey, hey no, that that was last night, okay? Well, that I guess I guess that that transition since my question. An incredible transition, I must say. How my, have you my been? Stupidity knows no ends. Well, uh, how have you been? Ex- explain to me what has happened in the last twenty-four hours, and just in general, because you've been oh, too cool to talk to me. Sorry, man, but you know I am just the coolest person on the planet. So you know everyone else just keeps trying to steal my time away. But in seriousness, uh, the last twenty-four hours have been pretty fun. I had a pretty fun day. Uh, yesterday clubbing for from about like was at the clubs from like 8 p.m till about 3 (laughs) a.m so pretty pretty uh pretty long night pretty tiring but it was it was a lot of fun i I go pretty i go fairly crazy um a little yeah so that's been fun you know at 2 a.m last night i saw some people get married (laughs) in one of the clubs (laughs) so good on them um and yeah that's been that's been interesting goes in some strange directions some days but it's not necessarily a bad thing nice and uh have you watched any tokusatsu lately ah i've been keeping myself catched up with garo hagane otsugumono the latest series um that's been pretty good so far outside of that since last time I rewatched Tetsuo the Iron Man with a friend of mine. Nice. It before. <laughs> nice. I love that. Mm. And uh, oh, I also rewatched a little movie called Godzilla Minus One. Nice. So, so how how many times have you seen it? Nine times. Nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got it. You got to see it one more time. How? Is Where? it out of Is it out of theaters officially? Yeah. Dang. <laughs> well, it's all right. If it, it, it almost feels sad that it's gone now. I kind of liked having it being around so I could just go whenever I felt like it. It's the end of an era. From what I hear, 
you have seen minus one a couple more times recently. So why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I I I did get to see Godzilla minus one minus color. Congratulations, um, you it got released in your country. It did. Um, do you care to hear the spoilers of what's changed? Isn't it literally just like they changed the Toho logo? Um, they've got like the Japanese text and uh there was one other thing I think was changed. Outside yeah, of the fact so, it's in black and white. So at the beginning you have the color uh logo, right? And then it cuts to the nineteen fifties logo. Um mm-hmm. so you do have that little thing that's really cool. Um an interesting thing that this confirmed was there's two versions of the film. Um there's the international version, which has English title cards. Um, for all the time jumps and locations, and the English title Godzilla minus one written out. Mm-hmm. Um, I it mean, also, I don't think anyone should be surprised by this. <laughs> well, I, I that was a question that I had. I wasn't sure what the answer was, so I was kind of happy to get an answer. So the black and white version minus color, um, they didn't have time to make a international cut of that. So right. you got to see the original Japanese uh, title, uh, location, and time cards for uh, Tokyo, Odo Island, um, uh, uh, the Ogasawara, uh, off the shore of Ogasawara. Um, so that was really cool. Um, the English dialogue spoken in the black and white segment in the middle of the film that's black and white in the actual uh, colored version um, there's Japanese uh, subtitles, um, so that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and then you have the Godzilla Minus 1.0 logo at the very end, which I love yeah. that. I love that logo. I love the way that that's written. That's my preferred way to write the title. Um, so that's <laughs> really cool. Um, and then they added a In Loving Memory in English uh credit at the end for Shuji Abe, the producer, the guy oh, who damn. worked uh I didn't, at Robot. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yep. Yep. They added that. Um he was the guy that founded Robot Communications that gave Takashi Yamazaki a job and of course was one of the producers on Godzilla Minus One, his final film before he passed away. Um so he got a credit. Um the In Loving Memory is in English and then the Shuji Abe part is in kanji. And then it says 1949 to 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, everything else is the same. Um, the black and white does look really good. Um, they added some film grain. Of course, they adjusted the mats and they changed the CGI and all that. Um, it's a very thorough black and white version. If you were to take any of the drama scenes, I believe, um, and put them somewhere out of context and ask what year the film was made. I think people would say the fifties or sixties or forties. Um, it's that good. The hmm. Godzilla black and white, like the CGI Godzilla is not the best. Um, I mean, it looks good. It just, it doesn't work in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, a CG Godzilla in black and white, you know, it's not going to be quite the same as, guy in suit black and white (laughs) yeah so 
I will say there's one scene in particular. It's the it's it's in the Ginza sequence where Godzilla charges up his beam and blasts the Diet Building, um, and then the shot of him in black and white looking up at the mushroom cloud is really, really, really good. Um, That's just the best scene of the movie. It is. <laughs> But no, it's 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 a very good color uh, decolorized version of the film. Um, I, I picked up on all the differences and and I ended up watching it a total of uh, nine times. Uh, when we last stopped uh, the count, it was at twenty one times I had seen Godzilla minus one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna see it on Friday, the day it came out. But I was sick, which I'll explain here in a second when I tell you what I've been doing um, since our last recording. But I was sick, so I had to cancel my ticket. And I ended up having to wait two days to see it on Sunday. And then on Sunday, I ended up watching it three times. And then Monday, I watched it. Or no, Sunday, I watched it twice. Monday, I saw it three times. So that went from 21 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. On Wednesday, I watched it three more times, um, which was uh, 27, 28, 29. And then I just, uh, before Wednesday, I made it the goal to see it 30 times. I wanted to see it 30 times um, so that I would be able to say that I saw the film uh, 30 times, which is the same amount of live-action Japanese-produced Godzilla movies in 70 years. Um, so I was hoping to make it on Thursday, which was the last day, February 1st. Um, I I don't know if I should say this, um, mm-hmm. because I don't know if anybody listens to the show that I work with. I'm I'm thinking not. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to say this. I had a family member call me while I was at work. I, I had to work that day. And there was one showing of the film. It was at 7:30 and it was 30 minutes away. And I closed so I couldn't go see it. I had a family member call me and tell me that there was a family emergency. Now, I've had some recent family emergencies, so I was like, "Oh no, like like what's going on with it?" And it was actually, they just wanted to take me to go see Godzilla minus one minus color. Now nah, that's, that's real. That's a real moment of them. I respect that. And so we, we drove the 30 minutes. We got to the theater on time. We got in, we watched the movie. I was going to go back to work. Um, so I left at six fifty, and I got back at nine or at te- uh, like ten twenty. Um, so I had 40 minutes left of my shift. I technically, there wasn't a lot left, but I was willing to come back and stay and close. But my boss said no. So I ended up getting out of work early. Um, so now that's on record. (laughs) Um, if anybody I work with somehow listens to this, I'm off the clock and I plead, uh, the fifth amendment, right? No, 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 no. If, Anyone from Elijah's work listening to this, it's just a joke. He's just kidding. I'm just kidding, but I definitely hit 30 times seeing Godzilla minus one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the skipping work bit and all that, that's a joke. It's a joke. It doesn't exist. It exactly. can't hurt you. There was a real family emergency. 
I mean, it very well could have been. Mm. Exactly. Um, because it was. Yeah. Now, here's... So, part of it, too, was... I wanted to see the film on the last day because I got to see it on the first day it showed in the U.S. I wanted to see it on the last day. And I tried oh, yeah. to... I, <laughs> yeah, same for me. I saw it the you know, first possible day I could see it. I saw it the first day it came out. I fit properly. And then I saw it on the last day. <laughs> it just, it felt right. And for this film, like, it, it's something, like, I even tried to, like, work it out so that I didn't have that problem. Um, But it didn't work out that way. So I had to, you know, make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, So in, in a way, it was it was very fitting. I hit 30. Um. 30 Godzilla movies produced in Japan, 70 years, 70th anniversary film um, on the last day that you could possibly see it in the States. It just felt right. Um, And I got to see it in the theater that I saw it for the first time in. So it like it went full circle. It it, it felt like the proper way to end the minus one story. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably will never see another film in theaters that many times. Oh, same, same. I don't think I don't think there's any other movie where I could do that for you know. Um, between you and I, unless now it, there's unless it was like Final Wars. If they just showed that in cinemas for for, for three reason, months, yeah, yeah, I would see it maybe two hundred times. Not gonna lie, <laughs> but no. So between you and I, we've seen it thirty nine times. Um, one of my, uh, a, a mu- uh, not a mutual, but a friend of my friend at Kaiju United, Jacob, um, his name's Nick, saw it 32 times. So between us two, we saw it 60, 62 times. Um, and I know there's somebody out there that saw it like 37 times. So if that's how many times Jesus. he saw it and he stopped at that, um, that means that between us three, the film was viewed over 100 times. So I'm not the one who has seen it the most, but I'm definitely top five. <laughs> um, I I watched it as much as I could. I probably could have seen it like one more time than I actually did. But when you've been at the theater for all from like noon until 10 p.m., you kind of get tired and you're hungry and you want to go home because you drove to another state just to watch it in a premiere format. And it was a whole thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I saw it 30 times. I saw it in, I think, eight different theaters, eight different formats in three states. <laughs> so my minus one story, I think, is about over. I got to talk about it on the Monster Island Film Vault podcast as a bonus thing they were doing. Um, right after I got out of the, my first viewing. Um, so I got to talk about Minus One more, and here we are talking about it again. Um, I think if you were to take all of my Minus One talk, you could probably formulate about 24 hours worth of content. Mm. <laughs> um, speaking of stuff that I've, of content I've done and whatnot, I have been a very busy individual. I published I I've published two articles on Kaiju United. Uh both were republishing issues from Kaiju Ramen, which is officially now dead. The first one, Kong King of Exploita- Exploitation, 
a overview of all of the Kong knockoffs that are not officially licensed King Kong films um, that was originally published in Kaiju Ramen issue 9. And then issue 10, which is not out yet, um, I got to interview Donnie Winter, and so I decided to publish that. So that just recently came out on Kaiju United. Um, and for that, it, there was an attached video, so I had to go and I had to edit the video more than I already did, and I published that to my YouTube channel, ET13 Productions, so I published a new video, and I got another article out, so I have two articles with more to come. So I did that. Um, of course, we put out issue, or not issue, episode 85 for Destroy All Monsters. And I've been working on a project that's official kaiju stuff. I've got some stuff that's already confirmed for the project that's set in stone. It's sent out. It's ready. It's going to be included. Um, and there's a project that I'm working on that I can't talk about um, that you, Rex, have – you are one of two people that know the most about it and have actually heard some of what it is. Mm -hmm. Um and you know, like I've I've put in a lot of effort on that. So that's that's a project I'm working on that hopefully by next podcast recording I can say is one hundred percent done and sent off and it's ready to be announced. <laughs> um so I've got that in the works. Um however, during all of this between bef before the minus one stuff, after the Destroy All Monsters episode and the Kong King of Exploitation. Um, I got really, really sick. Mm -hmm. Um, I missed three days of work. I was sick for five days. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't look at my TV, my phone, or my laptop screen. I couldn't play audio from my laptop, my phone, my Bluetooth speaker, Jeez. or my TV at loud volume because it hurt my head. I had this Jesus. horrible cough that like led to a terrible migraine. I had a congestion. Um, I had insomnia. I went five days without sleeping for longer than two hours at a time. Jesus. Um, I couldn't eat because everything I ate went through me very quickly and was out. So I wasn't eating. I drank a ton of water. I drank four gallons of water in four days. Um, I don't know how much a gallon is. A lot. Um, and outside of that, uh, I had a fever. The highest my fever got up to was 103.5 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so, Rex, for you, that's for in Celsius. Uh, oh, my God. One U.S. gallon is equivalent to 3.78 what the fuck <laughs> jesus christ it's a lot of water times and for the jesus my... christ you had like 15 liters of water what the fuck i was drinking a lot of water in my my oh, well i guess fever. it was the only thing you consumed actually it was like that and like a cup of orange juice a day that was all i had that's all i drank my 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 fever got up to 39.7 degrees Celsius. It was awful. And I couldn't sweat. And the only time I could sweat was when I was cold. So I had cold sweats. I couldn't sleep. I had a fever. I had headaches. I was congested. I had an awful 
awful cough. I couldn't eat. It was a whole thing. And it took me five days. And I had to cancel minus one tickets. I had to call in to work. I had to leave work early um, because of how awful I was feeling. I couldn't really watch anything. I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't listen to anything. So it was like just sitting there in silence and in pain. Um, I, I was able to watch a little bit of ALF um, season one. Just that's my comfort show. And then I watched the most recent season of Futurama. Of course, I couldn't sit through all of it at once. And I had to have my brightness really down and in the volume down. Um, but I did sit through them. I did watch them. But none of that's tokusatsu. If we're talking about tokusatsu, I watched I, outside of minus color, I did watch one tokusatsu movie, and that is Psycho Shark, also known as Jaws in Japan, which is a steaming pile of dog doo doo that is awful in every regard. Sounds like I, we should cover that. One day we will. One day it, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. We on should, it's we should cover that today maybe, you know? No, no. Let's come on, let's put it on. No. And and even better, how about you like lead it? I'll just sit back and be like, uh-huh, yeah, right. And not even you know, watch it, you know. Now that you mention that, I kind of forgot what, what are we covering today? Hmm. Well, in anticipation of anticipation for Godzilla Kong, the new empire. I figured, you know, since we did destroy our monsters, a Godzilla movie last time, I think it would be fitting to do a King Kong movie. Okay. So I, what was the last King Kong movie we covered? Uh, well, we've covered every, the original son of Kong and 1962's King Kong vs. Godzilla. So I figure the next step would be 1967's King Kong escapes. Naturally. Oh, King Kong no Gyakushu. Gyakushu, yeah. yeah. Also, also known as uh, King Kong's Counterattack. Yes. I love those titles, by the way. This is a side tangent, but like you have uh, Gojira no Gyakushu, also known as Godzilla Raids Again, Godzilla's Counterattack. And then you have uh, Mecha Gojira no Gyakushu, which is uh, Mecha Godzilla's Counterattack. Known as Godzilla versus, or not Godzilla versus, uh, Terror of Mecha Godzilla. <laughs> but yeah, so we are covering the 1967 film King Kong Escapes. Mm -hmm. Um, funny enough, we've covered Son of Godzilla, we've covered the X from Outer Space, we've covered Gappa. This is the last 1967 oh, yeah. major kaiju film that we haven't covered. If you want to be technical, point. there is Younger Ri Monster from the Deep that Toei co-produced, but that never saw a theatrical release in Japan. It got canceled. So technically, that I doesn't mean, you, count. I mean, if you want to be technical, you could you'd also count things like that Ultraman um, compilation, compilation movie. Um, and we haven't talked any TV yet, so we can't talk about Ultraman or Ultra Seven or. Uh, I want to say there's one other title from 1967. Um, I have I have a list of all the 1960s. Uh, oh, Prince? Kaiju Busca. Oh. And Red Shadow, also known as uh, uh, Kamen no Akage. Um, Kamen, or it's Kamen no Ninja Akage, which is uh, masked uh, red 
or masked ninja red shadow. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, there is monster prince and then giant robo. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Giant robo. How could I forget about that? But all of those are TV and we haven't covered a TV show on here. So yes, this is our final like major kaiju film from 1967 that we haven't talked about. So with this ends the, the kaiju boom year. Um, so maybe at the end of this, we should also do a ranking of the 1967 kaiju films. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Yeah. So, you know, as we mentioned on, you know, those various 67 films, um, this was kind of during like, this was kind of the last sort of, this was the peak year for the monster boom of the 60s, essentially, with all these movies and TV shows that we uh, now mentioned. Right. And a lot of that just has to do, I, honestly, most of it has to do with timing because Nikatsu and Shochuku just so happened to time it perfectly with Toho right. um, to, to put out films. Um, but more so than that, uh, Toho had the rights to King Kong until 1968, and they had been trying to get a King Kong film off the ground for a while now. Right. Um, most famous, I mean, there was uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, or continuation King Kong versus Godzilla, which would have been a sequel to King Kong versus Godzilla. I believe that was scheduled to come out in 63. Yeah, um, from what I recall, yeah. But that fell through. And then there were, uh, I want to say after that, Toho uh, was then put King Kong on ice while they were doing Godzilla, which makes sense because there's two Godzilla films in 65 and then uh, 64. And then 65 saw uh, Astro Monster and Frankenstein versus Baragon. And they were busy with that uh, United Pictures of America contract. Um, that ended in 67 with the War of the Gargantuas. But in 1966, they did uh, propose the idea of a King Kong film, um, Operation Robinson Caruso, King Kong versus Ebira. Yeah. Which I don't remember. Did we talk about that during the Ebira yeah. episode? Yeah. Did we? Yeah. Yeah, we did. I couldn't remember. Um. Do we want to kind of cover the basis of that again? Uh, yeah, we could give like a sort of just like an overview of it again. Yeah, essentially there's sort of like two versions of the story for that. One that involves uh, Operation Cruiser you know, being a script, the script for it being entirely Toho made and one with it being um, originally an American script that Shinichi Sekizawa um, sort of took and worked with. Yeah. From from what I did, I, I went and I bought some new books, and I, I did some research on, on to see if there was anything else um, really new about that. From what I found in that, the draft was uh, finalized, or was dated for July 13th of 1966. Yeah. Um, so the film... It's the story of God of uh, Ibrahor of the Deep, or Godzilla versus the Sea Monster, or Godzilla, Ebra Mothra, 
big duel in the South Seas, whatever title you want to go by. It's essentially the same script, except one had Godzilla, one had Kong. The inclusion of Mothra was because of a recent poll found that Mothra was one of the more popular kaiju, so they wanted to put Mothra in there just as a uh, Mothra. Yeah. The so from what I could find, the film was written from uh, by Sekizawa. Um, June uh, Jun Fukuda was the proposed director, and Sademasa Arikawa was the proposed effects director. They would all end up working on the final film uh, with the Godzilla uh, story instead. Yeah. Um, when they proposed it to Rankin Bass, because Rankin Bass. Uh, was the ones wanting to produce a film. Apparently RKO's the one that told Toho to talk with Rankin Bass. Mm-hmm. And when they gave the proposal, it it took some subtle influences from the King Kong show that was airing on television at the on the at the time um with animation done by Toei Animation, the King Kong show. Um apparently they took some subtle influences for like the giant condor from like episode four of the show um, where a giant bird comes in, but Ebra and Mothra were completely original. The idea of a terrorist organization taking control of Mondo Island and using it for nuclear testing um, was in an episode as well. But that was about the extent of the influence of the King Kong show. Mm-hmm. Rankin Bass took a look at this. They didn't like the idea of the Arakawa Fukuda duo working on it. They threw that out. They didn't like it not being clearly adapted from the show. So they told Tanaka no. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanaka then approached. So before, even before that, Tanaka apparently. Now there's there's some conflicting reports on this. Tanaka apparently proposed an idea for a live action television series produced by Toho about King Kong. And RKO's the one that said no to that. But also apparently Rankin Bass wanted to do a live action adaptation of the King Kong show. And so that's where the idea of the film really started moving. Mm-hmm. Um but it's conflicting on on that because RKO technically couldn't tell Toho no to anything they were producing, so that story doesn't yeah. really line up. And uh, from what I hear, the idea of a live action version was a story from uh, Arthur Rankin, who might have just simply been misremembering um, what was going on. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, the film did eventually get made. Um, Rankin Bass specifically requested the Honda Subaraya duo to work on the film, um, which is why you had Fukuda and Arikawa doing Son of Godzilla that year and Honda and Subaraya doing King Kong Escapes. King Kong Escapes was hailed as Toho's 35th anniversary film. Um, It was on the list of those celebratory films, much like how King Kong versus Godzilla was the 30th anniversary film paired up with uh, Yojimbo from Akira Kurosawa that year. Yeah. I tried actually um, 
looking into some of the King Kong uh, show, see, you know, how much like was out there. And I didn't even, I didn't actually realize, I didn't actually realize until recently that like a good chunk of the show was kind of lost media. Yeah. <laughs> the first eight episodes were released by classic media, which I own those. Mm-hmm. Um, And then like, only a handful of them after that are available. And most of them, I believe are in like black and white. Um, so yeah, a portion of the show's lost. And so there's also, uh, an image out there of a volume three that classic media was going to do of the King Kong show, but that never got released. Now, whether or not that was because a lack of content to be shown or a lack of, uh, volume one and two doing well or just something happened and it fell through like we don't know but it could have been like godzilla the animated series volume three also was very hard to come by i know hunting that down for me was a hassle because it was hard to find a copy less than 150 dollars back in the day yeah but no this and and i remember king kong escapes uh growing up that film like it never saw a laserdisc betamax vhs or super 8 release it was released in japan it was it was released uh july 22nd 1967 double featured with the ultraman uh compilation film that included uh footage from episode 1 8 26 and 27 um and then in, in America, it was released June 19th of 1968 by uh, Universal. And then uh, Honda would later re-edit the film and re-release it in 1973, a part of the Toho Champion Matsuri Festival. But the film never saw a release. It wouldn't be until 2005 when the DVD would be released uh, to coincide with the release of King Kong vs. Godzilla on DVD. And that was a really hard DVD to find for me uh, when I was becoming a Godzilla fan. I imagine that also be released in 2005 to coincide with the remake that came yes, out. Yes, it year. was. You're correct. Um, so for me, a lot of the like my introduction to King Kong Escapes was through the documentary Godzilla and Other Movie Monsters, where they showed some footage of McKenny Kong, King Kong, and Gorosaurus, and they briefly talked about it. So for me, that was like one of those films like Atragon that was like, whoa, there's another Japanese monster or men in suit monster movie out there that I've never seen. I've seen this footage and it looks really cool. Where is it? Um, right. And then years later in 2014, uh, to coincide with the release of Godzilla 2014, Universal put out Blu-rays for king kong escapes and uh uh king kong versus godzilla along with the triple pack with those two films paired with universal's other king kong movie king kong 2005 yeah um but the japanese releases of the japanese cut though yeah no the japanese version is completely omitted um just like king kong versus godzilla except that thankfully that film did get its japanese version released on blu-ray through the Criterion Collection in 2019. Um, but King Kong Escapes has not had that luxury. I would like to think that if Criterion does like a Ishiro Honda box set, because they have the rights to all of his kaiju films outside of Gorath 
and King Kong escapes, I would like to think that that is very possible because, I mean, they already sub-licensed King Kong versus Godzilla. Surely King Kong escapes could be the same process. Yeah. Um, but I'd imagine so. <laughs> King Kong escapes was one of the last, I mean, it was probably the last King Kong film I saw. And then it was one of the later, uh, Toho Kaiju films for me. So for me, it, it, it was always kind of that like legendary esque film that I, I never could see much like, uh, destroy all monsters was for a long time. Hmm. See, I don't have quite the history with that because it's, it's kind of just like, I want to say this is one of the earlier Toho non-Godzilla films that I saw alongside like Mothra and Rodan, I think. Gotcha. Bear in mind, I've only seen like all those films once. Um, I'm well overdue for a rewatch of Mothra and Rodan. <laughs> well See, overdue. we... We haven't covered a lot of the Toho Kaiju films on the show, and those definitely should be some of the films we eventually do cover. Um, I'd imagine so. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, be- before we dive into the actual film, did you have? I- I've got a few other uh, pre-production pieces of information. Um, did you have anything else? Um, not on pre-production. No, no. I I have one more, um, and that's simply the fact that the Sea Serpent, which is a surprise uh, fourth monster in the film, wasn't in the first draft of the script. Um, That was a later uh, addition to the film. Mm. Right. I mean, the thing is with the Sea Serpent and also Gorosaurus is that I don't think they're – I don't think what they actually were – like a dinosaur and a sea serpent. I don't think that was actually, I, I don't have confirmation for this, but from what I was reading, at least in Gorosaurus's case, it sounds like they just had Kong fight some monster, but they didn't really know what it was going to be. Yeah. Cause in like Goros- in Gorosaurus's case, um, he, the monster they were originally going to be had, they were originally going to have Kong fight was being designed by, um, the the main suit designer for Return of Ultraman. But like when yes Yasuyuki Inoue, who's like the art director on a lot of Toho films, and Nobuyuki Yasumaru kind of checked up on him, they weren't not only was he like super busy and all that, they also just weren't impressed with the creature that he designed. They're like, what is this? Like th- this movie, this is a King Kong movie. We need need to be on an A game here. So, yeah, they took it into their own hands and Yasumaru, Gorosaurus was the first, like, main kaiju suit he really built and he did it uh, with some new techniques that hadn't really been used um, for any of the other Toho uh, kaiju at the time, um, which allowed... uh, He had, like, a specific method um, with urethane and building a styrofoam body with like a urethane frame in it, that the way he built it would allow for more movement for the actors compared to what Toho was doing previously with their suits. Gotcha. And I know, at least in Gorosaurus's case, like the name of the monster wasn't 
decided until a year later when he appeared in Destroyal Monsters. And the only reason he appeared in Destroyal Monsters was simply because they still had the suit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was and in then, pretty like, good condition. Right. And, and, f- and for his appearance in All Monsters Attack, they just reused stock footage from... Uh, and then in Godmenter's suit, it was just uh, not in the best condition. Right, but that was an official appearance by Gorosaurus. He was he was named as Gorosaurus in that. Mm. Um, Whereas but that would appears have... in that end is just some random ape. Yeah, and for Gorosaurus's part, that was his last, and that still is his last um, official appearance. He was in a draft of Final Wars, but later was replaced by Zilla. Poor boy, um, my poor, my poor boy. <laughs> outside of that though he hasn't really shown up outside I mean, of comic books i mean singular and, uh, point Godzilla island singular point terrestrial design takes yeah. a bit of influence from him yeah, as do the true. other early forms for godzilla in that show with uh varan and titanosaurus but gorosaurus is an interesting character um i've i've always been curious because like mechanicong was supposed to show up again, but due to copyright, they couldn't have him appear. I'm kind of surprised Gorosaurus doesn't fall into that same situation. I guess maybe it's just because Gorosaurus is a Toho creation, not specifically derived from King Kong, since, you know, Gorosaurus is a dinosaur. Right. Um, And the name wasn't decided until another film. Mm, mm, yeah. Um, <coughs> but then you also like Mechanic Kong was derived from the King Kong show, but so was Giant Condor. Um, but they don't credit credit that. But also, they don't really ever use Giant Condor for specific reasons of like you can't really copyright that. There, there's a whole thing with it. I don't know if Toho um, cares enough to bring back the giant condor, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> well, he does. He did make a brief appearance, I think, Outside in Godzilla. Outside of All Monsters Attack, yeah. I th- well, I think he did make an appearance in a Godzilla Here Be Dragons. Oh. Here There Be Dragons. I think he did make a brief, like... I mean, did, doesn't Mechanicon get, like, a reference in um, one of the Godzilla Rivals comics? Because uh, they have... There's, like, a character in that comic that is very much like a reference to Doctor Who from this movie. I think so, but also McKenny Kong appears in Godzilland. Huh. Um so McKenny Kong has appeared in official work since then. Um just I but I think it's just that. I think he appeared in in Godzilland in like one scene. Uh, <laughs> and then he just Oh, has oh Godzilla. Oh. Oh, that's probably like um like is it like Adventure Godzilla? I think so. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, King Kong appears in that as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Appearance. Yeah, he makes a couple unlicensed appearances. It's it's literally just like a still image of like a cartoon King Kong design. Well, but then you also have the technicality of, and and this is how like the MonsterVerse does it, where Toho technically could do a Kong movie. As long as it's not derived from the original 33 film, um, its sequel, or the 2005 film, technically speaking, they could do whatever. 
And they could do a McKenny Kong. Technically, they could do that. Um, Godzilla, the series, referenced McKenny Kong with uh, the robot Yeti. Um, oh, yeah, there is an episode about that. That's right. Mm hmm. Um, so, like, the, the film definitely has its its uh, legacy and has definitely been referenced. And I'm going to talk about it as we get into the plot here. But Godzilla vs. Kong basically rips off the plot of this movie <laughs> to a T. So, and I guess technically it would have ripped it off more if the whole, like, Mega Godzilla thing actually was in the film. Um, to an extent, but that's, that's for a different discussion. Hmm. If you're ready, Rex, I'm, uh, I'm ready to, to dive into this. I think it's about time we begin, brother. So the film starts off with some undersea footage of a submarine, um, which very much reminds me of like Terror of Mechagodzilla or even like Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. And we get our opening title credits and some music. And for some reason, they include Kong's roar sporadically through the <laughs> opening credits. Yeah. Which I don't... I, I it's, think it's a it's little a jarring. It's a weird contrast. Yeah. No, I agree. I do wonder if it's that way in the uh, Japanese version or if that's something where, like, the... Uh, where Universal and Rankin-Bass... We're like, let's throw this in here because we I want people I to think, think it that Kong... is in the Japanese version. From okay. what I recall reading and hearing, it was in the Japanese version. But for something that isn't in the Japanese version, actually, is our first scene following this, um, where we're introduced to one of our lead characters, Susan, played by Linda Miller, on the submarine, just responding to some of the sailors uh, questionable comments on her. Right. Now, it's also important to note that Linda Miller was a uh, model in Japan at the time. Yes. And she was actually the first person to be cast in the film. Rankin-Bass saw her in, like, a magazine, and or uh, Arthur Rankin, sorry. Uh, mm -hmm. Arthur Rankin <laughs> saw her in a magazine and was like, she's going to be in the movie, and they, like, tracked her down and hired her on the spot. Um, her mother helped, like, make sure she got enough money for it. Um, but she was 18 at the time, and she was excited to be in a movie, and she was the first person in the film to be cast, which filming started in spring of 1967, by the way. So this is probably March of 67. So it probably filmed from March till April or May. And then yeah, I read that filming was about four months. I yeah, I re I remember Road Road's Reason, the main actor, just mentioning about four months. I think so. It probably started in March and went through March, April, May, and into June, and then ended. And then they probably edited it after that, mm -hmm. which is a surprising quick turnaround. Um, granted, in Japan, like Godzilla versus Megalon was shot in four weeks, yeah, and and edited within a month, and and they put it out. So yeah, I it's mean, not the craziest on, turnaround. The Ebra episode, but that was turned around fairly quickly as well. Right. 
But uh, we following the introduction to Linda Miller's character, uh, we are we do get our introduction to uh, Commander Carl Nelson and Lieutenant Commander uh, Jiro Nomura, yes. played by uh, Kira Takarada. The absolute legend. <laughs> and in here, we do get a bit of exposition with Carl Nelson explaining he had been on some some journeys um, to this area, and he was interested in the legend of Kong, a giant gorilla that lived on an island. Mm-hmm. In this movie, he lives on Mondo Island. Right, and he's 60 feet tall, which is smaller than his appearance in King Kong versus Godzilla. I, to my understanding, the way that it's, it was never intended to be a sequel to that. Um, it was never even in, intended to be connected to the Godzilla films, but has, you know, retroactively been, been <laughs> connected to, to, to Gorosaurus. Thanks to Gorosaurus to, to the films. But I also, there is, uh, I think uh, John LeMay pointed this out. In King Kong versus Godzilla, they do allude to the idea of Kong is bigger because he eats the berries on Faroe Island. And in Toho reading material, they credit this as Kong second generation. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a, a point to be argued here, but they also act like Kong is the largest and only monster on the planet. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's show, show era. era. For you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's loose, loose at best, but yeah, in spite of the King Kong discussions, uh, we find out that, uh, Nelson and co aren't really, their mission has nothing to do really with King Kong and Mondo Island. They're just on some sort of mission for the UN and King Kong is just kind of like a, side bit of research that Nelson's interested in. And this is where we, we cut to some more establishing some more exposition um, in the Arctic mm. where we have our, our villain of the story, Dr. Who H U U in the Japanese um, in, in English. It's been translated to Dr. W H O like uh, the British yeah. television show character. In the Japanese dub, it's spelled Fu, which is... There's like three different ways it's been... Na- he's been named. I mean, the katakana used for his name is a sound closer to F. So, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's it's a little, you know, conflicting on how you pronounce his name or say his name or write his I'm name. I'm just calling him Doctor Who, like the TV show. Yeah, it's Doctor Who, um, who shows off his most recent invention to Madame X, Madame Piranha. Neither names said in either of the versions of the film, but it's Look, still her name. They just say they just call her Madame in the film. And this is where we get the reveal of McKenny Kong, the first uh, robot doppelganger predating Mechagodzilla by about eight years, or seven years. We find out that this is based off of some schematics that Carl Nelson made um, that he stole from him and and retrofitted into a a robot Kong. 
And then this is where we're introduced to Element X, which is probably it's it's some sort of radioactive material. Um, we don't know what exactly, but um, it's established that it's a very powerful element that could make um, Madame X's country very, very powerful. And this is where I need to start talking about the some of the interesting things. So first, I want to say the Arctic set's really good. It's easily my oh, favorite it's set in the film. Beautiful. It's beautiful. The miniature, it, some of them, uh, like the shot when Mechanic Kong uh, is first like released into the Arctic, and you really like see the miniature set around him, like the miniature base. Beautiful. Reminds me, of, not as detailed but it reminds me of the set from some of the sets from Gorath. And Gorath is some of the Gorath is some of Sugaraya's best work, I'd say. Gotcha. See, I I love I love the set. I think it looks great. Um it's, it's almost a shame they don't show off that set more honestly in the film. Right. I agree. <laughs> um because it it's it's it's, it's really good. The, it's the best set in the movie, I think. I would agree with that. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, another interesting thing is this is where we really start to see the, uh, the connections to Godzilla versus Kong and King Kong escapes. You have a evil doctor that wears like this coat that it's like just sitting on the outer, like on his shoulders and he doesn't have his arms through them. Like, uh, uh, what's his name? Damien Bitches, uh, Walter Simmons, Walter Simmons. There we go. Um, they both have that same uh, style. Um, both have a mechanical doppelganger of one of the main monsters. And they're needing a element or a power source from inside the Earth to power things, both of radioactive um, nature, mm-hmm. um, both with the blue light mm-hmm. um, aura to them. And both need to go in to get this through the Arctic um, inside of the Earth. Um, so those are that's the first establishing and they like use King Kong to reach it. <laughs> they use King Kong to reach it. They take him there by yeah, flying him. him. They lift him. Um, they find a way to communicate and control him. Um, GVK uses a little girl. King Kong escapes uses an actual uh mind control mechanism um the film ends or there there's a there the film ends with the doppelgangers fighting um is there any other connections or any other Uh, there's a a serpent-esque creature that like tries to choke kong (laughs) um i'm trying to think if there's anything else um Uh, they drug they drug if you want to stretch it the way Mechanic Kong's defeated is you know, human interference, similar to Mechagodzilla's defeat. If you want to stretch it, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, I think that's technically all of the. It's about I, all I can recall from what I remember of GVK. Um, so like it's it's not the entire film, but there there is a lot of similarities, and this is where they kind of start. Um. And then you know you there it, it it there's other things you could probably pull influences from for GVK and whatnot, but 
King Kong Escapes definitely had some sort of impact on the film, I would imagine. Um, there are quite a few similarities. <laughs> there are. Just just based off of, you know, what what we've talked about, I think those are some pretty pretty decent similarities. I feel like like the sea serpent connection to the war bats a little bit of a stretch. That's a stretch. That's a stretch. I think the Mechagodzilla thing I mentioned is a bit of a stretch, but I, it was something that I saw and I'm like, oh, it reminds me a little of GBK. <laughs> but at least the element X and the the villain style and the Antarctic part, I definitely think could could have some some connections. There's even hovercrafts in both films. Oh yeah, yeah. That surprised me when that showed up in this film. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I have a thought on that, but we're going to, we'll talk about that when we get there. I had no memory of it appearing in the film. So I was just like, okay, I guess, I guess we have a funny flying car. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but if we want to speak about similarities between King Kong Escapes and other films, I think there's another elephant in the room. James Bond. Yeah, this <laughs> is true. Doctor do we Who? want to talk about that now, or do we want to hold off because of the later connections to James Bond? Um, well, I'll just mention here that from beginning to end, Doctor Who is the epitome of a James Bond villain. <laughs> I mean, some and, people have even pointed out the similarities, uh, surface-level similarities between you know him and uh, Doctor No from the original James Bond film, which actually I have now seen, believe it or not. I've seen my first James Bond film. I still haven't seen a James Bond movie. Mm. I, I know there's also people who have drawn similarities to uh, Madame X and uh, some female characters of the James Bond franchise. I mean, um, the actress Mihama would go on to be a Bond girl. Right. Uh, and, and a lot of... Yeah, actually, the film came out. Wasn't it, uh, what's, or you only live twice? twice with, uh, Donald yeah. Cousins. Now, doesn't that also have an appearance by, uh, Akiki, uh, Akihiko, Akihiko Wakabayashi? Yeah. Who yeah. was actually originally meant to play Madam, uh, X in this film before Mihama was cast. Huh. Yeah. The reason she didn't play Madam X, I believe was, I think her contract with Toho expired and, she kind of became like a f- more like freelance, I believe, actress. Gotcha. From what I recall. Makes sense. But kind of going back here to the film, unless you have anything else you want to say, we could talk about Mechanic Not Kong's. Not yet? I, I mean, like, I, I don't have anything else to say. on like, Gotcha. Well. Gotcha. We do get to see Mechanic Kong in action. Uh, Mechanic Kong goes down into the, to the ravine to mine Element X, which we then find out the radiation is too strong and fries, fries Kenny Kong. <laughs> and then begins the dilemma that um, Doctor Who and Madame X then have to fight, figure out which is how can they mine this element, element X, um in general, because Mechanic Kong cannot do it. So they start repairing him, and they try to fix him to make him uh, resistant to Element X. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, cutting back to Nelson and the, and the crew in the submarine, uh, Rock, 
uh, rock slide happens uh, underwater, causing damage to the ship, uh, which ends up forcing them to have to uh, do repairs, and they eventually make landfall on Mondo Island. How convenient. Which, I love the futuristic flying vehicle. I think that's such a fun little, like, sci-fi element. Yeah, it was. it's a fun little design. I was just surprised that it was in the movie at all. Yeah, I have it, no memory of it. It sticks out like a store, like, because honestly, like, yeah, you have a radio control device for Kong, and you have a giant robot Kong, and you have this, like, element X thing. And then, of course, you just have a giant gorilla and a giant dinosaur and a sea serpent, too. Um, There's nothing really, like, super out of, like, futuristic technology. It's kind of just, like, everything else is, like, believable enough in the sense of, like, cartoon logic. Yes. And so, like, the this just random introduction to this fl- this hovercraft, um, it's, it's certainly a hovercraft because it, it moves with... It flies. <laughs> it flies. Um, so that's... It, it, it's kind of like a, whoa, okay, so now we have hovercrafts. And it's, it is the only thing in this, in this film that I think breaks the real, like, the believable barrier, if yeah. I'm going to be honest. See, it's not, it's not that this film is a very grounded or realistic film. It's just that this sticks out as, a, like, a sore thumb for just being really sci-fi compared to everything else going on. Right. Um, but it's, it's a war, I welcome it. I'm not, like, it doesn't mind hurt it. the film. It's just bizarre. <laughs> it is. Um so Carl, um Jiro and uh Susan. Susan land on, on Mondo Island and they they see a native that's screaming something in, in a native tongue, which is something along the lines of turn back, this is Kong's sacred land, it is forbidden for you. Yeah, you guys are trespassing. Yes. Yeah. Jiro and uh, Nelson try and go to talk to the to the men while they leave uh, Susan behind with the hovercraft, and then a dinosaur appears. <laughs> yes. Now, real quick, Bloody I bottle. do want to say it's kind of weird that there's only one native. Yeah, and... I mean, they even address that in the film. Like, there were a bunch. Like Nelson mentions that there were a ton previously, but. For some reason, there's now only one. It's not really addressed why. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, Gorosaurus appears, and we get the this scene reeks of the uh, T Rex versus King Kong in thirty three, right. which is what it was. It was that's what it's a homage to. <laughs> yeah. Um. Susan's screaming, and then Kong like wakes up and comes out of his cave and sees everything going on and goes down to to see what's going on nelson and nomura come back and they see gorosaurus and they freak out but then they also see kong come out of the jungle and grab susan during this i really whole sequence i I really noticed all the cues from Ghidorah, the free-headed monster in the music. Yes, this <laughs> this is when I realized like, oh, this score is is 
just taking from all of, I mean Ifukube did does that all the time like Yeah, I mean that's parts of this movie score uh in like a scene a little later um that is just like hey that's I'm like isn't that Baby Godzilla's theme from Mechagodzilla 2? <laughs> mhm. Or uh, the War of the Gargantuas, one of those main themes pops up in here. I and haven't seen very... that film, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh, well, one of the songs from that is like prolific through the final uh, act of the film. Um, the Ghidorah stuff is is in here, which yeah. is also from Rodan. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, there's 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 a lot of music in this. This is definitely not Ifukube's most iconic. Um, it almost feels like a best. I mean, he's, of... I mean, he's playing some of his most iconic tracks. <laughs> yeah, but but it's definitely it feels more like a best of Ifukube sa- uh, musical score. It's good music. It just none of it is like I would. I would associate any of it with this film. Yes, because I associate it with the other films that it's from. Right. Um. But we do get a nice fight between uh, King Kong and Gorosaurus here. Mm-hmm. Um, Kong is brutal to Gorosaurus. Um, Gorosaurus, of course, does his iconic uh, kangaroo kick. Kangaroo kicks um, like four times in a row. Oh, yeah. He bites Kong. He bites Kong's arm. Um, but then Kong, like once he gets Gorosaurus on the ground, just starts beating him brutally. Um, Gorosaurus does bite Kong's uh, foot and leg, um, but Kong just continues to beat the poor dinosaur up. Yeah, and um, eventually finishes him off with the iconic jawbreaker. Right, which uh, Rankin Bass wanted it to be a very bloody uh, scene. Yeah. But Subaraya fought against that and said, no, this is a children's film. If you're going to make a children's film, it should be foam like foam bubbles instead of instead of blood um which is kind of funny because like a few years later you would have fake godzilla just absolutely obliterating gears's lower jaw mm. uh and on top of what he does to godzilla's neck or well what mecha godzilla does to godzilla's neck right and even before that you had gigan that like made godzilla bleed from the shoulder and the in the on his head I mean, I was also thinking about how at the end of this movie, when Doctor Who dies, he's just coughing up blood. (laughs) Right. And then even, you know, in this film, you have uh, Doctor Who shoots, spoiler alert, shoots both Madame X, which she does have a little bloodshed on her shoulder. And then you see her dramatically die without any blood. But you also see Doctor Who shoot the native who then later comes back up and says his final words and then dies. So there's like some actual human violence, human on human violence and blood. And like you said, Dr. Who's death is very bloody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of surprising that like he didn't fight on those, but oh, yeah, like I, so I, I've only seen this film once before. It's been a fair few years since I saw it. I, I had a vague idea like vague memory of like the general gist of the movie. But I couldn't but like I couldn't remember I didn't remember at all that Doctor Who actually died in this movie. So I'm like, oh. Oh, he they they actually kill him? Oh. I thought he was just gonna like 
escape or go to prison or something. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a Saturday morning cartoon thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how it went in the in the show. Because <laughs> he was a recurring villain in the show. Right. And I think even Mechanic Kong uh, made like two or three appearances, if I recall. He right? did. He did. Although I, I think only one of those episodes is available in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it it is kind of weird to see like Me- Mechanic Kong got absolutely obliterated. Gorosaurus got absolutely obliterated. The Sea Serpent got obliterated. And Doctor Who ended up getting obliterated. And all of his henchmen, too. Um, it's probably because Toho had zero plans to do a sequel. Like, they knew that after this, they weren't doing another Kong movie. Mm-hmm. Granted, Kong would show up in a draft of Destroyal Monsters, but that draft, of like, very quickly just got tossed because they didn't have the time to produce the film before Kong's rights reversed back to RKO. So it, it it is interesting to see Toho. I mean, they like they obviously put in all the money um, because they had all of their heavy hitters work on this film. Film they had Ifakube, they had Honda, they had Subaraya, Honda's Honda's main cinematographer. You of course had um, Takarada in this film, headlining it. Um, even uh, the actor for uh, Doctor Who was a prolific uh, Toho character actor. We love Hideo um, Yamamoto. And like the side, the henchmen, the henchmen were uh, other classic Toho supporting. Oh cast yeah, you members. got Susumu Kurobe, Toru Ibuki, various others. <laughs> um, the guy so from like, Buffer vs. Godzilla, whose name I will never remember for the. <laughs> And then, like, Tanaka, of course, was producing, which he produced all of these. Yeah, like Tanaka. (laughs) um, But, like, you had all... And Nakajima, of course, was your... Was the Kong suit actor. And they had, like, Rhodes Reasons. They had, you know, an American actor in this, and it was co-produced with an American studio, much like their UPA films that were very much some of the biggest of of the 60s for, for Toho. So this film like is set up to be a huge Toho film, but there's also just this level of like this is it. Mm-hmm. Um I, they even had a uh, uh Takashi uh Kimura write the script who that was one of Toho's two main monster writers. Mm-hmm. Which um, is kind of which is kind of bizarre when you realize how this is a much lighter film compared to Kimura's usual material. <laughs> right even like madame x even though she does die um and and i guess with that understanding in that context it makes sense why you would have the native die and madame x yeah die yeah and you've and, definitely and got Who. those um kimura bits of the kimura darkness i guess mm-hmm. but the film is also very like madame x does have a redemption arc later um uh, mm. Kong, like fighting Mechanic Kong and, and the Gora Source fight and the Sea Serpent and your main characters, it's all very light. It's very positive. Um, I can't help but think that's probably because Rankin or Arthur Rankin, who acted as a producer on the film and had a lot to say on the film, also like put in and like stepped in. And even Rhodes Reason apparently rewrote all of his lines. 
um, mm-hmm. and was keeping an eye on things. He like had the power to change right. how the set was designed. So okay. perhaps it was because Kimura was, I mean, Honda of course would have some say mm-hmm. Tanaka would have say, then you had Arthur Rankin and Rhodes Reason also I mean, having... From what stuff. I understand, Rhodes Reason's changes was mostly just, like, to the English line. It's like... Like, just making uh, certain lines just make more sense in English mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to how they were written in the in the script. But also just hearing Rhodes Reason talk about the film kind of, like, angers me. How so? Is the dude has nothing positive to say about it. Really? In in his interviews for Tok- uh, Monsters Are Attacking Tokyo, the Stuart Galbraith film, he's like, Ishiro Honda was... Uh, the." J-. So he's like, he talks about how the Japanese filmmaking style is very primitive. It's very old Hollywood. Honda was this eccentric, crazy B-movie director that would fit perfectly in a B-movie film. Um... Rhodes Reason had no respect for Honda um, and would tell Honda that he would not do as he was told and would do it a different way. Um, See, that's a very different vibe from what I got from um, Rhodes Reason's interview with um, Brett Homnick, which from which I would presume was that's a more probably later interview. Yeah, like, that'd be in like 2010s, I'd imagine. Um, because he's a lot more positive about uh, Honda and the Japanese film industry in that he does kind of point out how the Japanese film industry, how it was set up, was essentially just like doing what Hollywood, trying to copy what Hollywood was doing. Um, But he also talked about how, like, courteous um, they were they were in the Japanese film industry, whereas things that there was just so much, so many luxuries given to him compared to the American film industry. And like he talked about like Honda, he didn't really have much of a relationship with Honda because like he was working with him through an interpreter um, mm-hmm. as was Linda Miller. Um, but like he never really insulted Honda in anything he said in that interview. So that's yeah, no, in in his earlier interviews, he's very much like, I. It, he straight up says he only did it so he could go to Japan. He wanted a, a, a way to be able to go to Japan to enjoy the culture. Um, he talked about how when they went on location filming for two weeks, the entire time he basically just stayed at the hotel and, and relaxed and ate. I mean, um, from he, what I understand, that was partially because, like, the first two weeks they were... So they went to, like, an island. Um, mm-hmm. And the first two weeks of filming they lit- for on that island, they literally couldn't shoot anything because it was raining. So they were actually there for about four weeks total. Hmm. Gotcha. And then I know, I know Rhodes Reason talked very highly of Takarada. He talked about how yeah. Takarada um, was the Cary Grant of Japan... He was very respectful. They had a great relationship, even though they didn't really know uh, what was going on, like what each other were saying. I mean, um, I had- mean, Takarada did apparently like speak some English to him, so. but it wasn't a lot. No, no. 
I mean, but like Takarada was like the one person um, from the set that Rhodes Reason would occasionally like go out with every yes. now and again. So, yeah. And even like in the interview that he did with Galbraith, um, he talked about how he had recently seen Linda Miller and he was like, she married somebody and gained a ton of weight and she's now like a real estate agent in California. And I guess her life really went downhill based off of Jesus. what I saw. Yeah, no, That's... he was like brutal. <laughs> wow. Okay. He was brutal. And it was like, oh my God, dude, you you and Russ Tamlin, like we need more Nick Adams. Like, I mean, Rose people, was friends with Nick Adams, apparently. But Nick Adams was like, he loved his, like, he he actually, like, took it seriously and, and did a great job and, like, actually, like, put in put an effort. But it sounds like Rhodes Reason just was there for the heck of it. And Russ Tamblin did it because of a contract. Mm. I mean, apparently Russ Tamblin in recent years kind of regrets uh, his, uh, his, like, just completely out of it performance and gargantuas from what I've heard. Probably because people now look at that Probably. film and, Probably. and they're like, this is a great work of kaiju art. Look at the writing. Uh, but you got Russ Tamblin. <laughs> like the, the biggest complaint that film now has is in Russ retrospective Tamblin. is Russ Tamblin's awful acting. I mean, for what it's worth, ignoring Rhodes reason as a person he gives a decent performance here. I think he does. Good. It it looks like he's having fun. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he was for a lot of it. He was also mentoring the completely inexperienced um, Linda Miller as well. Right. Um the the scene where we first were introduced to her in this version of the film. Um, that was her first day of filming, and like between Rhodes Reason and Takarada, they both kind of taught Linda Miller how to how to act essentially. And Linda Miller doesn't have a huge um, acting credit. She has three other credits to her name. Um, one of them being a television show, I think where she was on one episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not like she has a lot of acting experience. Um, King Kong escapes was her second film, or I think it was first. her first film. Yeah, yeah. and then she had one other gig in Japan, and then she did two in the states, and and that's been it. I'm kind of surprised, you know, with uh, recent films like you had Peggy Neal show up in The Great Buddha Arrival and Akira Kubo and Akira Takarada, and like Kaiju Island of Fire has Robert Scott Field and and Tomoko Ai and and a few other alumni actors. I'm kind of surprised that. With Linda Miller back, like she has an agent, she has a talent agent, and all mm -hmm. that. I'm kind of surprised nobody's been like, "Hey, why don't you come on mm. and 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 do something?" I know um, Nathan of the Monster Island Film Vault. I I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about this, but at one point, a long time ago, a couple of years ago, he reached out and and tried to get her on his show to play. Susan um again because his show takes place in in a world where all the kaiju exist and whatnot and she was not allowed to do podcast appearances as a character mm -hmm. um I know since then like she's been on uh Brendan Morley's show just talking about the film and like she's she's done con appearances out the wazoo and and all that 
but like she's not like I, I I remember that very very vividly that like he reached out and asked and was told that she's not doing podcasting appearance podcast appearances right now, and that was the end of that. So I don't I don't know what mm-hmm. what or why she hasn't done anything. I I would imagine that you know she would get a gig in a in a indie kaiju film pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, she, from the interview I saw, I was watching this earlier today, it seems she'd be mm-hmm. interested in doing some roles, you know, kaiju, non-kaiju even, who knows, maybe, 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 after, maybe someone will listen to us here and be like, oh, maybe, I, I, I don't know if we have that kind of pull, but you never know, it's, it's always Probably worth not, a shot, but you never know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. we went, I'm going to take credit either way if it happens, <laughs> We we went really off uh, off the 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 main topic here of of the the plot. Yeah, going back to the film, our, our trio try to escape Mondo Island um, after Kong has defeated the Gorosaurus. Which, and while Kong's watching off in the distance, a giant sea serpent appears for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's a surprise third kaiju. Um, I will say this during this sequence, I really between the Gorosaurus fight in this scene, I really realized that the King Kong suit is definitely not Toho's best. Mm. Um, yeah, I was I was gonna talk about this. Um, yes, yeah, so, Toho and their f- third kaiju suits, they didn't really figure out how to do that well until 1973 with Zone Fighter, <laughs> where they have a kaiju Bakugan whose fur looks actually really good, but they never really worked it out with King Kong, unfortunately. <laughs> now, I know they made two suits for this film, much like they did yes. for King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, one with but if you also arms. notice... If you also notice... Did you ever notice how in so he fights the giant sea serpent in the water, right? Did you notice mm-hmm. how for certain shots his head looks Huge. really massive? Yeah. You mongoloid. Isn't that the sixty two suit? Yeah, yeah. I only realized that like an hour ago or so. Where it's yeah, like, that's oh, the reason his head was so big is because they put the sixty seven head on the sixty two suit. Yeah. Ah. So technically, three suits were used for this. The short-armed, where Nakajima yeah. could like animate the entire body. The long-armed one, which is meant to make him look like he's kind of walking on all fours, um, where he couldn't operate the actual hands. And then the water suit, in air quotes, which is them just using the 1962 suit with the 67 head on it for all the water scenes. Um. It's also important, I guess, here we could note, since 1962, the, the, that suit had been reused in uh, 1966 for yes. the Goro suit for the uh, episode of Ultra Q with Goro. Um, yeah, in second it, which, episode. Second episode, that's right. Um, so the suit had been used since then. It got used for that. Um, and then this would be its final hurrah before they tossed it, which, I mean, anytime your suit gets demoted to water suit, that means they're done with you. <laughs> that means it's about done. 
It's life because like anytime a suit was in water, it was like gonna de- deteriorate immediately. Yeah. Um, which already I think the King Kong suit in this film suffers tremendously. Mm. It's definitely the worst suit in the film compared to both Mechanicong and Gorosaurus, who look great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like Gorosaurus is actually just a fantastic suit. It is. It it looks absolutely stunning. <laughs> um The Serpent, meanwhile, is isn't the greatest puppet. <laughs> no. And the serpent tries to destroy the hovercraft, but Kong comes out and, and, and fights it. He throws a rock and bonks it on the head, which is yeah. one of the two funniest moments in this film. <laughs> um, and then following all of this, they get into the submarine. Kong get, kills the serpent and then goes to the, the submarine. And then while they're waiting on the rudder to be fixed, Kong, like, shakes the ship and tries to get Susan to come out. Yeah. Yeah, he has that little song and dance with her before um, before eventually letting them leave. Mm-hmm. And then he just sits on the island to press. <laughs> Poor Kong. Sad boy. Now, during this, I believe we get some shots of Carl Nelson, like, uh, in the submarine. And I noticed that there's some, like, jarring edits with the music that just kind of jump. Yeah, okay. I, I didn't notice it in this scene. I did notice it in the final battle because of some of the edits that the U.S. cut makes. Because um, there are I thought it was that. They're rearranged. And there's also, like, a little scene that's deleted um, in this sequence. So, like, notice how... so. When Akira Takarada goes up to um, help uh, Susan, he has a gun. He has a rifle on him that hadn't been shown previously. There's like an extended, there's like a scene in the Japanese cut of like Carl Nelson giving uh, Takarada a rifle and all that. So there's just like a bunch of like little cuts in this, uh, in this cut, uh, in this edit of the film. And it's, the music is us- is like the giveaway at multiple points, especially in the final battle was when I noticed it. <laughs> yeah, see, I noticed it here. I was like, oh, the, the music is-, is jumping around. Okay. See, I, un- I noticed it in the final battle because there's just some like harsh cuts mm-hmm. in the audio. But following this scene, we get Nelson, Susan, and Nomura at the United Nations in New York, and they give a rundown of Kong and and Kong's relationship to Susan and Gorosaurus, and we get them saying, "Hey, we're going back out, and we're gonna we're gonna go research them." Yeah, in a way, this scene almost feels irrelevant. I mean, it does. I mean, it's not really irrelevant because this is how Madame X uh, learns of you know. Kong and Susan's connection, which she informs Doctor Who of late, like in the following scene. This is true, but also I almost feel like that's not necessary. Like them abducting them almost feels not needed Mm. because of Doctor Who's mind control. I mean, the mind control thing doesn't work. It ends up failing. Um I mean, there's a weird contradiction in the Japanese. I, I heard there's a weird contradiction in the Japanese cut 
um, of the film that's kind of fixed in the US cut where like Doctor Who actively has no does not want he he wants to use his mind control he doesn't really want to go with um Madam X's suggestion of like getting Susan to convince Kong to mine the element X and he actually like gets like he's like fully against the idea of that even though in a previous scene he had ordered his men to capture Nelson and co for that very purpose mm-hmm. whereas the US cut fixes it by just changing the dialogue to make it so like he he sort of agrees to the decision but as long as like and he he just mentions how he'll dispose of Nelson and co later right usefulness is ended and that's actually in this scene if i remember correctly because uh it's not this scene it's a little later in gotcha, the Gotcha cuz this is where Madame Perron, uh Madame X is like telling that Kong is on Mono Island and Susan's the the one to get him yeah, to the do whatever. Yeah, the dialogue is in the scene when they're having wine together. Gotcha. 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 Um which following this we we get Doctor Who going to Mondo killing the one native drugging Kong and taking him away by helicopter, which during this scene, there's some really great cinematography with the aerial stuff. Like, really, really great. Mm. My favorite cinematography in the film is in this scene with the helicopters in an extreme angle with the helicopter in the foreground on the screen left and Kong on screen right on the rule of thirds line, like roaring from yeah. above there's some really great shots in this oh yeah this, this yeah there's a lot of really nice cinematography in this scene whereas the rest of the film i think is just mostly fine visually for toho standards mm-hmm. i don't think the rest of the film is really that visually impressive no not at all i think there's <laughs> some nice lighting choices yeah and but there's some there's... Fun, like visual edits with like the the compositing in like Madame X and Doctor Who's conversation, like mm-hmm. in just the scene we were talking about prior. Yeah. Like that's a fun edit, but yeah, outside of that, there's not a lot of like other like visual things to marvel at outside of like the miniature effects and the suits, you know? Right. There's a nice composite shot, much like in the, in the style of invasion of Astro monster where Kong is in, in Tokyo and you have in the foreground people running around and Kong's just standing around in the background. Um, very much like the shot in Astro Monster where Godzilla is like approaching and destroying the city. Um, but that scene has more, it, it's more lively because Godzilla's actively destroying the city. Kong's just kind of standing there. Um, yeah. So it, even then, it's not, it, it, it's nothing new. In fact, it's it's kind of like a, downgrade to what was there right. prior i mean kong doesn't really in- ever intentionally try and destroy a building in this movie from what i recall mm-hmm. he just destroys the boat that's the only thing he intentionally destroys yeah and like he like maybe trips over a building or two up during the final right. fight see the the destruction in this film is for the most part pretty lacking um mm. Mechanic Kong just emerges from a building for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we were shown him being deployed earlier. <laughs> when that happens. 
<laughs> um, but going back here, um, we do get our first on-screen death with Doctor Who shooting the native, which I mean, if that if 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 you need a better reason for a villain, like that's that that's it. Yes, yes, Kong's mine now. <laughs> and then bam, bam, bam. The writing in this film is is really ridiculous. And what's interesting is uh, Rhodes' reason, because he's a member of the actors' (coughs) um, union, he got to do his own lines. Um, But Paul Freeze... To dub his... To dub uh, his lines, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, Linda Miller is dubbed over, even though she was speaking English uh, on set, Mm -hmm. she or on filming, she's still dubbed over by a completely different actress. Right. And she later went on to say like she would have went and done her own dubbing, but she wasn't a part of the union, so she technically wasn't required to do that and it would have cost too much to fly her from Japan to New York to get her in to the booth to record her dub lines. So they went with another voice actress. And yeah, the same actress who um voices Madame X in this film. Yes. Um, she did all the female characters while Paul Freeze did almost all the male voices in the dubbed version. He was in films like The Thing from Another World, Earth vs. the Flying Saucers, The Beginning of the End, The Magic Sword, and he did uh, voice acting for Hell in the Pacific, um, Tora, 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 and even did uh, The Flight of Dragons, which was animated by Toei. And also the film uh, The Last Unicorn. He did some voice work for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the voice acting in this film is very hammy. Um, that yeah. just adds to the to the insanity. Oh, I love I love the the performance for Doctor Who, like the voice acting for Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, Paul Freeze does gross. a Kong's mind now. <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> it's really like this film would work perfectly as like a weekend uh, afternoon matinee kind of film. This is the kind of movie that you just sit back, pop open a beer for, man. <laughs> like it's it's just dumb fun. <laughs> um, but then we speaking of dumb fun, we we then go back to the Arctic, which again amazing set. <laughs> um. And we get the establishment Doctor Who is controlling uh, King Kong with mind controls. I like the fun edit, by the way, the Astro Monster-esque edit of, like, um, Nelson mentioning to uh, Jiro, we'll find Kong. We'll find him as long as they haven't taken him to the North Pole. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, little, that little audible. that little gag. Yeah, that one I was like, wow, that's that's funny. And so, you know, they they then embark on their journey to find Kong, um, where they also meet the native one they actually finally meet the native and he, you know, says his final words and then dies. Um where Nelson then somehow figures out it's Doctor Who behind all of this, like very much cartoon logic. Mm. Um. Yeah, he just the native just mentions like a a devilish, a devilish man, <laughs> and Nelson deduces it has to be Doctor Who, right? Like, there's nobody else on the planet that it could be. It's got to be Doctor Who. <laughs> um, 
So then they go off of the island and they're contacted and told to bring all of their uh, all of their evidence and information on Kong and Mondo Island and for them three to get on this uh, this helicopter and they're going to fly off um, to the UN, mm-hmm. which they do. And they realize, wait a minute, these people aren't Japanese. These people are this is there's something they're played by Japanese actors, right? Um, there's something kooky about this. And then that's when we go to the Arctic. Doctor Who is mind-controlling Kong, and they send Kong off to go get Element X, which we watch Kong do the same stuff Mechanic Kong does. Um, However, he's more successful and actually gets to Element X, but then the mind control stops working. Yeah. Yeah, Kong eventually throws away his ear... uh, implants, the speakers, I guess they are, um, tries running away, but is just locked in, locked in his cage. <laughs> poor monkey. Poor, poor monkey. And then Nelson Koa brought into the base. And then we get some back and forth between Doctor Who and Nelson. And Yeah, they have and... a bit of a history. It's like, it's not really established very well what their history is. It's just they have a history in uh, the plans for Mechanicong were were drafted up by Nelson and Jiro, and that Doctor Who just kind of stole them. It's an interesting relationship that definitely could use some added context, but... Yeah. In a way, it's re- almost more charming that it doesn't have that extra context. Yeah, it it goes back to the whole cartoon logic that this film is is either plagued or graced with. Yeah, I would Um, argue graced. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I would disagree entirely. (laughs) Doctor Who does eventually throw them in the cell, and they're they just chill there, real like Mecha Godzilla style esque, and then they pull they pull Nelson. And they're like trying to freeze Jiro and Susan in the meantime. Um, yeah, Madam X tries to seduce Nelson in a real James Bond esque way. Yes. Um, Fun fact: Apparently, for some reason, this scene was reshot for so it's diff- It's actually different footage, or at least a different take in the U.S. cut compared to the Japanese version for this scene. For some reason, up well for like part of the scene, like when Nelson and Madame X are like on the couch, it's like the same footage. But like when she's just like making the drink, uh, the drinks for her and him, it's for some reason it's different footage. <laughs> no clue why. Huh. That is an interesting change. I I really wish I could see the Japanese version of this. Mm. I mean, you can find like. There's like a video on YouTube that details the differences. So at least give that a watch sometime if you're curious. I I need to. I need to. But yeah. Should also mention that Madam X, uh, her whole role in this is that, did we already mention that she's like an, like some sort of agent for another country? No, this is where it's really and honestly revealed. Uh, um, revealed in the, in a very vague sense. Yeah, because Carl Nelson, like, accuses her of, like, being Chinese, Thai, Russian, 
And she's like, no, 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 no. And then Doctor Who's like, you're getting very warm. Mm. Too warm. I mean, I mean, even Doctor Who who doesn't even know what country she's from. There's actually dialogue in the that's cut from the American version between Madame X and Doctor Who about like what country she's from. And all that's really established is that it's an Asian country. Yeah, some Asian country that if they get a hold of this Element X deposit under Doctor Who's base, they'll be able to rival or even conquer, like, rule the world compared to with, like, a nuclear arsenal. (laughs) Right. And, you know, Nelson and Doctor Who have a back and forth, and Nelson doesn't budge. They, they, They send Nelson back. Yeah, but Doctor Who also immediately takes him back out again to try and convince him to cooperate right this whole scene like this stuff kind of feels like it takes a a halt almost like the film kind of stops here Mm, a little yeah nelson is strangely calm about this whole situation playing playing a nice game of chess with uh the with uh doctor who while his friends are freezing to death right and then eventually doctor who just gives up on it and leaves nelson alone which is not the smartest of decisions for for no any i of mean those. doctor who makes some pretty dumb decisions in this <laughs> well this isn't the climax it's kind of right before the climax right like he tries to get jiro and uh susan to cooperate but you know, they're interrupted by king kong uh escaping just like the title says. Oh, that's funny because that's what the title's called. It is. And yeah, and so they just leave Susan and Jiro unattended to deal with Kong. Susan is not restrained in any ways, and they leave the keys to the chains that um, Takarada is shackled to. They leave the keys on the desk. <laughs> so they just escape. And then they end up getting they enter uh are intercepted by madame x yeah. who's Often then meeting like, up with nelson yeah and she just takes them to her room where they are chilling yeah until like doctor who comes in to just capture them again right and then so kong swims away and McKenny kong tries to stop kong but it doesn't work out and then when doctor who enters madame x's room he like tries to convince them again mm-hmm. and then they just all get aboard doctor who's ship and goes after kong yeah who's heading to tokyo right and then we get some shots of kong in tokyo while doctor who is, is trying to figure this part out and madame x gets our three main characters out of their shackles and helps them out which Madame X is such a weird character. Like she goes through this change just all of a sudden with no, like they they try to give her a reason, and, but it's like justification with like her not wanting a bunch of civilians to die from Kong and Mechanic Kong's fight because I, either a out of the goodness of her heart or b to not cause an international incident with her country because of her involvement, I guess. But it's 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 a weird arc. Yeah, and it's kind of out of nowhere. And then she like has to stay behind 
for some reason it's 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 honestly just for dramatic effect yeah um i mean hey at least kimura unlike destroy all monsters kimura is actually trying to do something with characters here yeah i'll give him that credit (laughs) um i actually remember madam x as a character i think and and to that point i think all the main characters here are memorable yeah, like Doctor I'd, Who's, and I'd say they're pretty fun. Yeah, Doctor Who is a is a far more memorable of a villain than any than the Kilax. <laughs> right, and then Madame X is an interesting side villain, and then you know Takarada. Even though Takarada's he kinda, Takarada, yeah, he's he he doesn't play like a very memorable character. Like I don't think his performance is this uh, in this film no. is his like highlight, but it's still it's Takarada. Linda Miller plays an iconic character um, as one of, of Kong's, you know, leading ladies. They're always a memorable part of the films they're in, um, unless you're Linda Hamilton, because you're in the worst Kong film made. And then, like, Rhodes' reason is just, you know, he's the main character, so he, he has his time to shine. Um, right, except in the finale where he does basically nothing from most right. of it. Um, the, the finale is really and honestly for, uh, Takarada and yeah. Miller, um, which there's an illusion to maybe something more going on there. Um, at right. least I, I kind of took it that way, Yeah, but it doesn't really, I mean, they don't, they don't really develop it at all. It's, it's much like the love story in Destroy All Monsters where it's like, you can tell it's there, but nothing happens. I mean, in Destroy All Monsters, it's clear they actually, it's more clear that they actually are in a relationship and it adds some stakes. Like, it, it, it kind of adds more emotional stakes to the film, given you know, it's the main character's girlfriend gets uh, mind could brainwashed by the aliens, you know? Mm-hmm. The l- romance element with Takarada and Linda Miller is just like kind of established in the last like 30 minutes of the film right <laughs> and you know it's it is what it is um it's just kind but, of a bit too little too late right but it, i will say while this film i think does the love story a little bit worse than Stroh monsters which i think is already less than stellar this crew this cast i mean the only person from Destroy all monsters that's remotely remem- memorable is Akira Kubo because he's. Hey, the main I would character. argue Kenji Sahara's one scene of a character moment is one of the most memorable scenes in that movie. Yeah, but I don't know. Just as characters in general, I think of when I think of oh, Destroy all monsters, yeah, no, I think of <laughs> Akira Kubo and Keylock Lady. Yeah. And that's it. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and I'd say hey, the girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just because of the scene where he jumps out the window. That's yes, what I that, that's the sole thing I remember. <laughs> um, so, but they're not as good of characters as this, and I, I still don't think these are good characters. But I definitely do think these are they're just still fun and fun. memorable. Yeah. Now that does lead me to suggest this. And this might be, I, I think there is a bit of contention here on who is the better writer. But I'm honestly, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking that Takeshi Kimura is, is not the better writer between Sekizawa and him. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Takeshi Kimura, Matanga's great, but but in in his kaiju films, so like yeah, his kaiju stories. I'd say they tend to be weaker than like a lot of what Sekizawa was doing, especially Mm -hmm. in terms of their characters. Like, I would say out of this film and Kimura's two Godzilla films that he wrote, two. Yeah, his his kaiju credits. I'm jumping the the gun here, but his kaiju credits are Rodan, which admittedly Rodan is oh, very good. Rodan, that's um, right. I haven't seen Frank- Rodan in a few in like five years, so I can't really comment. Frankenstein versus Baragon, the War of the Gargantuas, great duology. I think those are his strongest ones, followed by Rodan. King Kong escapes, destroy all monsters, and Godzilla versus Hedera. Okay, okay, which- I've. I've only seen Rodan. Well, oh no, I've seen Frankenstein vs. Baragon, but that's been a while as well. Um, so, out of the ones in recent memory for me, it's King Kong Escapes, Destroy All Monsters, and Hedera. And yeah, I'd say in comparison to, to his Godzilla works, King Kong Escapes actually has memorable characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas Godzilla works, I struggle. I struggle to tell you anything about the cast of Hedera outside of there's a kid, there's the Who professor, there's the blinded professor. Um, who loves science. The wife, who loves her husband. The other there's, dude. There's the dude the who, loves, who loves sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and the lady who loves drugs. That's about the most I could tell you. There was those people in a field. And honestly, the, the, the thing about Hedera that makes it iconic is more the visual art it's, like, yeah, it's, style. Yeah, it's the style and direction of that film. Because Hedera yep. is such a uniquely directed film in the series, especially for the Showa era. So that's kind of what makes Hedera a memorable film. Right. I mean, also, Hedera doesn't really have a lot of as much time to develop its humor's cast because it's got so much Godzilla screen time. <laughs> right, and and there's so much going on in that film, too, that just, there, there's a lot going on. But, like, Rodan, Frankenstein, and Gargantuas are all great Kimura films. Those are all very, very solid. I don't know what happened, but the moment that Kimura had to work on established characters, it fell through. <laughs> like, King Kong Escapes... Destroy all monsters, Godzilla versus Hedera. Like, just yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. But if you're looking, like Kimura's highs are really, really high. Like the three I mentioned, some of the best kaiju films. Period. Mm-hmm. On top of like his other works, like Matanga. Right, but then you get his his last three kaiju works, and like they're the bottom. Of the barrel, or like mid tier at best for writing. Now Sekizawa, like he has some of the worst, and he has some of the best, and he has a lot in the middle. Like he did so much that like he had he has that ability to have such a range of quality. Right, um, but I mean, also Sekizawa, it's. Well, it's kind of well known that Sekizawa at a certain point lost his passion for writing the kaiju scripts just because he kept getting 
kept getting asked to do the Godzilla films. Right. So it, in regards to Sekizawa, like, so it's I, no surprise really that there's a bit of a range in quality for some films. Right. Right. And even like his first one was meant to just be a television project, very in the unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have stuff like Ghidra, the three-headed monster, and Invasion of Astro Monster. And suddenly it's like, okay, it makes sense why this dude had the work he had. Or King Kong versus Godzilla, or Mothra versus Godzilla, all of which are very well made. At one point, Sekizawa was writing the King Kong movie. Yeah. But it ended up in, in Kimura's hands, and... We got a less than, I would say, stellar film mm. through his writing and, and Honda's probably revisions and then uh, Rankin's revisions and Rhodes Reasons corrections. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think the film just there's too many, too many chefs in the kitchen and Kimura just didn't didn't have it. What I don't know what happened between you know gargantuas in this but whatever happened this was the beginning of a spiral down for kimura's work in the kaiju genre mm, see i don't know if i agree with the statement that it feels like there's too many cooks in the kitchen it's more of a case of just like because of the cartoon logic a lot of things are just underdeveloped and or just i mean in madam x's case her arc is just really weird and the romance with um takarada is again like underdeveloped just it's established and it's kind maybe it's set up a little early on with like linda miller taking um like trying to uh bandage up takarada's uh forehead injury at the beginning i i guess there is a little bit of slight setup for it but it's really like subtle easy to like just miss yeah right yeah do i think we should we we went on to a very interesting side side discussion here but <laughs> i think it might be best to con- conclude our our king kong escapes plot breakdown mm. i'm not even entirely sure i don't even remember where we were <laughs> um we just got through oh, Madame X. Yeah, Kong's Kong's heading to Tokyo. Doctor Who is in Tokyo Bay. Our three main characters have escaped. Madame X has been captured and is taken to Doctor Who where she's kept for the rest of her screen time. Mm-hmm. Carl Nelson uh goes to the to the I guess the Japanese military leader to convince them not to fire upon Kong in order to avoid a a rampage. Meanwhile, Susan goes to try and pacify him. And then Mechani Kong shows up. Yep, just kind of out of nowhere. Pops out of a building for some reason. And then Mechani Kong tries to, like, hypnotize Kong. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, like, you would think that the fight between the two would be pretty cool, right? Uh, but I mean, it starts just, off pretty good. Yeah, there's a starts, little funny, funny moment where the you can tell the suit actor Hiroshi Sekta trips <laughs> over a building. 
<laughs> and then he and then he punches Kong. <laughs> and then like Mechanic Kong also tries to like literally flash Kong. <laughs> um which true. which does kind of work. It does kind of work. But then thanks to some meddling with uh Nomura, um they get they destroy the that device. Um, and then they fight, but then Mechanic Kong gets Susan and starts climbing Tokyo Tower, and then Kong follows behind, and then Doctor Who tries to convince Kong to surrender. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, again, with that cartoon logic, throughout the entirety of a movie, Kong just understands the English language. Or I guess in, I guess in the Japanese cut, it would be Japanese and English. Yeah. Eventually, when Kong doesn't, you know, I mean, Kong just continues to be Kong. Mechanic Kong tries to, like, throw Susan to her death, which Kong catches her and, and sets her down. Meanwhile, Takarada's trying to get up there to get Susan. Mm-hmm. And then they, like, Kong and Mechanic Kong kind of fight. Um, and then Madame X destroys Mechanic Kong's remote controls. And then yeah. Doctor Who shoots her, and then she dies in this really dramatic death. Yeah. Um, All the while, Mechanic Kong falls, breaking apart into a bucket of bolts. Which, Mechanic Kong's defeat here, I must say, is really underwhelming. Like, it's yeah, not actually, even to Kong. Yeah, I was surprised when I, I... I did not remember the fact that he was actually not defeated by Kong. I mean, I'm like, not offended by it like i think i actually don't mind this final fight i think it's fun but it is a it, it was a bit odd that you know he's defeated by you know madame x's in, interference <laughs> another another uh direct connection to uh mech godzilla the one of the human characters destroys the remote control and the villain's uh, hideout <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know it, it could be it hey, at, l- at least this time it wasn't due to alcoholism this is true which would almost um, be more fitting in this movie honestly it almost would <laughs> um and then the uh takarada's character gets to the top of the tower rescue susan they get down um and then the next day doctor who like embarks on his boat to get out <laughs> Yeah, for some reason he waits till the next morning <laughs> and then you see kong with our main characters in a little car just driving next to him <laughs> cartoon logic baby <laughs> and then susan tells kong to go stop the ship and then kong goes and destroys the ship murdering every single uh, crew member aboard <laughs> including and, doctor who and then kong just swims off back to mondo island and then everybody's happy, and then the movie ends. And then if you have the Blu-ray, the movie just starts again because there's no actual... Uh, there's no menu. Menu, yeah. Do you have... A bit... it, it just ends so quickly. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Do you have any final... I've got, my, you know, my final thoughts, and I've got one other piece of information. Um, but I'm I'm basically ready to move on to the next section after that. Mm-hmm. Um... Oh, just probably one sort of anecdote that I thought was interesting that I kind of wanted to mention was about Mechanic Kong's design. So apparently, Mechanic Kong's design, interestingly enough, was actually a combination of a jet of you know, a design submitted by uh, the American company Rankin Bass, 
and what uh, the Japanese team involving, you know, Super Rise team and whoever, everyone that was involved in that came up with. Because, um, like, according to Teriyoshi Nakano, they it were they had to they had the idea for um, including Mechanic Kong, but they had to get the opinion of Rankin Bass. Um, and they and Rankin Bass would then submitted them a design, but they didn't like it at all. Um, so, but they kind of had to take elements from it anyways, and so they mixed what they wanted to do with the Rankin Bass design. Gotcha. Mm. Interesting. The only thing I have left, uh, information wise, is the budget for this film was 170 million yen, or 472 thousand uh, dollars USD. So if you're ready, I, I, I got kind of my final thoughts here, and then you can give yours, and then we'll we'll go into the cast and the crew. Yep, um, sounds good. Honestly, like, at the end of the day, King Kong Escapes, it's, it is a fun movie. It's camp. It's, it's, it's camp. This is, like, the, I think, epiphany of 1960s Toho Kaiju film camp. But I think it also lacks a bit of that seriousness that makes the, 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 the genre boom of the 60s so iconic. The film is very cartoony. And I think it kind of hurts itself because of that, because it is undoubtedly a King Kong movie. And I don't know necessarily if cartoony is the way you go with King Kong. I think you can do comedy. King Kong versus Godzilla is an example of a very smart film that uses comedy and satire, and it works. But when you go for a straight comedy... It, I think, kind of suffers from that. Um, mm. Doctor Who is crazy, but very memorable in a, almost a it's-so-bad-it's-good kind of way, I think. I, I really do feel like this film fits in the B-movie uh, world of the 1960s camp genre films. Right. Um, it certainly feels like a Saturday morning cartoon, and it's honestly, I really hate the fact that this was our last film that had the Honda, Subaraya, Ifakube trio. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and let's throw Tanaka in there, too. This was the last time the four would work together directly on a film. Right, because um, while Subaraya was like obviously involved in Destroy of Monsters, it's been it's more it's documented that he was more actively involved in king kong escapes right and then in all monsters attack um of course if akube did not come back um and subaraya was not involved really at all with that because he he couldn't right um so that was just a tanaka subaraya or tanaka honda uh production and I mean, later on, you did have Terror of Mechagodzilla that saw your Tanaka, Honda, and Ifukube, but by that point, uh, no, Subaraya, Subaraya had long passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it kind of sucks that the 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 main four people that birthed Godzilla, this is their final hurrah. Right. It's it's kind of fitting because King Kong was it's, the it's film. It's definitely very fitting, especially for Subaraya. Mm-hmm. For this to sort of be his last big hurrah in the kai- in kaiju films, yeah, the man who loved King Kong so much that he got his own thirty five millimeter uh, print purely so he could study the film. It, I think it is uh, poetically fitting for him mm-hmm. to 
have gotten this as his big loss to Raw. And yeah, you know, like you said, this is 100% like B-movie camp uh, beginning to end, helped or not helped by the fact that, you know, it's in the West, all our only access to it is through the dub. And, you know, while I love the performance uh, for Doctor Who, I think I can understand where bad dubbing complaints come in for you know, the voice the voice actress who does uh, Linda Miller. <laughs> right. Who I don't think is giving a very great performance as Linda Miller's character. <laughs> right. No, and... and... <sighs> I I do wonder because like my opinion of King Kong versus Godzilla absolutely like did a 180 when we when I watched the Japanese version. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see if I, you know, whenever the if ever the Japanese version were to I be mean, accessible. From what I understand, the differences are nowhere near as major. I mean, in the the US, the John Beck cut of King Kong versus Godzilla just completely changes the tone and like comedy of the film entirely. Um, right. Whereas I don't know. This, I... It's mostly just a hand, a small handful of scenes are omitted. Um, there's a couple dialogue changes and, you know, I think there's one shots. Kaiju sequence. I think there's one Kaiju sequence that is cut. Um, that uh, is brought back. Or that is uh, omitted from the U.S. version. That's in the Japanese. Um, not as far as I'm aware. My best guess for what you're talking about is um, the Toho Champion Festival release cuts out the giant serpent scene. Gotcha. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I do know that at least in terms of the editing, the music wouldn't jump around as much. So at least yeah. the music would yeah. be better in the Japanese version. Yeah. Cause that's literally just cause like in the American cut, they rearrange like certain uh, moments and obviously omit like certain uh, shots and small moments. Like there's a moment, like when Takarada is rescuing Linda Miller, there's like a whole bit in the Japanese uh, cut of her, like almost falling off Tokyo tower. That is pretty much entirely omitted. So, I don't know. Maybe I'd like it. Maybe it wouldn't do anything. I don't think, from what I know of the differences, I don't think they'd make that major of a change, but I haven't seen it, to be fair. So, you know, full disclosure there. But, nonetheless, I, I still enjoyed this film. It's a fun mm-hmm. little monster romp with King Kong. <laughs> Did you have anything else you wanted to say before we go into the cast and crew? Uh... I love Hideo Amamoto's performance. Well, speaking of which, we're going to transition here into the always iconic part of me reading off a handful of the cast and crew credits. Um, I love it when I do a Toho film because I have a list a mile long for just two people. Here we go. Okay. For your director, you have a Shiro Honda whose credits include Godzilla, Half Human, Rodan, The Mysterians, The H-Man, Garan, Battle in Outer Space, The Human Vapor, Mothra, Gorath, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Matango, Atragon, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Dogara, Ghidorah, The Three-Headed Monster, Frankenstein vs. Baragon, Invasion of Astro Monster, The War of the Gargantuas, Destroy All Monsters, Latitude Zero, All Monsters Attack, 
Space Amoeba, and lastly, Terror of Mechagodzilla. For producer, you have Tomoyuki Tanaka, whose credits include Godzilla, Godzilla Raids Again, Half Human, The Legend of the White Serpent, Rodan, The Mysterians, The H-Man, Varen, Monkey Son, The Three Treasures, Battle in Outer Space, The Secret of the Talesian, The Human Vapor, Mothra, The Last War, Gorath, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Matango, Atragon, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Dogara, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Frankenstein vs. Baragon, Invasion of Astro Monster, The War of the Gargantuas, Ebira, Horror of the Deep, The Killing Bottle, Son of Godzilla, Destroy All Monsters, Latitude Zero, All Monsters Attack, Space Amoeba, Godzilla vs. Hedera, Godzilla vs. Gigan, Godzilla vs. Megalon, Submersion of Japan, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, Espy, Terror of Mechagodzilla, The War in Space, The Return of Godzilla, Princess from the Moon, Godzilla vs. Biollante, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, Godzilla vs. Mothra, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, and Godzilla vs. Destroya. Your writer, Takashi Kimura's credits include Rodan, The Mysterians, The H-Man, The Human Vapor, The Last War, Gorath, Matango, Samurai Pirate, Frankenstein vs. Baragon, The War of the Gargantuas, Destroy All Monsters, and Godzilla vs. Hetero. And your last main credit for major crew members, Eiji Tsuburaya, a special effects director. His credits include The Invisible Man Appears, Godzilla, The Invisible Man, Godzilla Raids Again, Half Human, Rodan, The Mysterians, The H-Man, Varen, Monkey Sun, The Three Treasures, Battle in Outer Space, The Secret of the Talesian, The Human Vapor, Mothra, The Last War, Gorath, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Matango, Samurai Pirate, Atragon, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Dogura, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Frankenstein vs. Baragon, Invasion of Astro Monster, The War of the Gargantuas, and Latitude Zero. For your cast, you have Akira Takarada playing Jiro Nomura, who is in Godzilla, Half-Human, The Three Treasures, The Last War, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Invasion of Astro Monster, Ibra, Horror of the Deep, Latitude Zero, Godzilla vs. Mothra, Godzilla Final Wars, and most recently, The Great Buddha Arrival. Mei Hama, who played Madame X, was also in King Kong vs. Godzilla and Samurai Pirate. Rhodes Reason plays Carl Nelson. Linda Miller plays Susan Watson, which she also appeared in the film The Green Slime. And then finally, Hideo Amamoto, who played Doctor Who, was in Monkey Sun, The Three Treasures, The Secret of the Talesian, Gorath, Matango, Atragon, Dogura, Ghidorah, The Three-Headed Monster, Ultra Q, the Killing Bottle, Mighty Jack, All Monsters Attack, Return of Ultraman Episode 23, 28, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack, Ultraman Cosmos Episode 57, and Message from Space. And that's your main cast and crew. So, Rex, with that, I think we're down to our rankings. Um... First, let's do a King Kong ranking with okay. King Kong 33, Son of Kong, King Kong versus Godzilla, and King Kong Escapes. And then, for the heck of it, let's do a 1967 kaiju films ranking afterwards. Sure, why not? <laughs> so, for our King Kong rankings, uh, what would you put at number four? So, at number four, I think we're both going to agree on this one. Son of Kong. I agree wholeheartedly. 
Mm-hmm. For number three, I think this is where we're going to start to differentiate. What do you mm-hmm. got? I want to hear yours first. So I put King Kong Escapes at my number three. Okay. So this is where I'm going to get a little controversial here. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I'm going to put King Kong 33 at number three. See, right now, this sounds awful because we've only covered four of the seven King Kong movies. I should, I should clarify, I'm not a big King Kong guy. I, I don't mind the monkey, but he, he's, he's not my G, you know? See, Godzilla I think... I think I'm a little I'm a little indifferent. Like I, I like King Kong. I'm more of a Godzilla guy. I like King Kong. But <laughs> and I also have... when it comes to the original film, it, it, every male character is so just sexist in it. It's like Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> like it's like I'm not even the type of person who gets like actively offended by that. But, like, it's it's a bit much, even for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 when, when we get to my ranking of 33, I'll, I'll explain myself a little bit better. So, for number two, what do you got? At number two, I've got King Kong Escapes. Okay. I have King Kong versus Godzilla. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I enjoy the film. I do have, it's, it's not my go-to show a Godzilla movie. Um, I think it's intelligent, but I also, it's, you know, if I'm going to go watch a show, a Godzilla movie, there's about three or four others. I'm going to pick over King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, but it's not a bad movie by any means. I think it's, it's upper, upper, lower, uh, class Godzilla. And I definitely think it's upper class King Kong. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, King Kong escapes. I'll say this. I didn't like it as much on this rewatch as when I first watched it. I had a lot more fun on my first watch. I did still enjoy the film overall, Mm -hmm. but it's glaring writing issues and all the sorts just was kind of more apparent this time around, I'd say. Gotcha. And then at number one, I, uh, I'm going to be the, the, the obvious cliche here and I'm going to put King Kong 33 See, I'm not um, afraid to tell my real opinions. This is my <laughs> real opinion. Now, I'm going to say this. King Kong 33 is just like one notch above King Kong versus Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I, 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 I don't think that King Kong 33 is that much better. I, I don't even think it's like it's upper lower giant monster movie in general i don't think it's it is, the god tier good movie i i can recognize its importance as a film um it's just not really a film i actively want to rewatch. like you and yeah. me both aren't we're godzilla dudes <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're team um, all the way <laughs> Now, speaking of Godzilla, so kaiju, King Kong is not a kaiju. I'm going to say that now. Oh, and my number one is King Kong versus Godzilla, if that wasn't already obvious. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) With 
us i i i am i'm in the rare i'm in the i'm in the camp that says king kong is not a kaiju outside of his appearances in king kong versus godzilla and king kong escapes but that is for a eventual kaiju conversation live discussion Mm -hmm. um on what is a kaiju um but with us talking about kaiju i do want us to do now that we have covered all of the japanese produced kaiju films of 1967 i mean we haven't done a gamma film of that year oh have we not no wait a minute we've only done the original gamma oh so that means okay so we haven't covered all the major kaiju films from that uh year we still have would that be yaos Yaos? Okay. Yes. So we sh- we actually should not do a ranking until we cover Gauss. Mm. <laughs> that way we we surprise everybody with our official ranking of all of those. So we're going to hold off on that. I didn't even think about Dae. Thank you for that. <laughs> I felt like something was missing the entire time, but I couldn't put a finger on it. <laughs> well, you figured it out. But well, hey, sometime this year, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hint, hint. <coughs> well, with that, I think I, I, I've got nothing left to really talk about in terms of King Kong Escapes. And honestly, we went longer for King Kong Escapes than I thought we would. Yeah. I mean, I felt like that was a decent bit to talk about with film overall. <laughs> There's some, in- we, we went into some interesting side discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think some people aren't willing to uh, say, like the whole Takashi Kimura thing. I mean, that's because most people don't really tend to think about these movies very much at all. <laughs> yeah, it's... Just, most people don't tend to engage with the Showa Godzilla films or like the a lot of the Toho sci-fi films. They just don't try yeah. to. <laughs> These are just silly monster movies. Why should you? Why should we care? As some well, people still say. Well, I think we we provided a pretty good pretty good discussion to to explain why we care. Mm-hmm. I think but it's interesting. With, <laughs> it's it is interesting, especially in the context we have with other kaiju films of the time and 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 where people were placed in their careers and whatnot. Mm. Um. It's been it's it was it's interesting. Yeah. Um but with that I do think we uh we should uh change gears here and uh enter our final segment of the show and wrap things up here. Um so I'm going to start us off by saying hello. I'm Elijah and I have a kaiju and tokusatsu problem. Joking aside, I am Elijah Thomas. Um, I am part of the rotating hosts for Monsters with Attitude. You can check us out on YouTube, where we do monthly live streams talking about kaiju entertainment. If you do want to hear me talk about another kaiju science fiction film from Toho, I did do an episode or a live stream covering Matango and Atragon. So I do get to talk about Atragon a little bit. Um, that's the only other time I've really talked about a kaiju science fiction film from from toho mm. um outside of this um unless you want to count matango and and i talk about it there and on the show i am uh 
You can also head over to Facebook and join our Facebook group. It's a great place to talk with like-minded people. I'm also a writer. I've written for GodzillaMovies.com and in Kaiju Ramen Magazine. Currently, I write for Kaiju United. My most recent article is about an interview with Donnie Winter on his content creation. My writing has also been featured in a book called Giant Bug Cinema, A Monster Kid's Guide from Bear Manor Media, where I wrote about Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. I'm also a filmmaker and part-time YouTuber. You can check out my stuff on my YouTube channel, ET13 Productions, where you can see some of my short films and my older videos, along with a playlist that features all of my appearances on YouTube. I do plan on getting new videos out soon. I actually very recently uploaded the video version of the Donnie Winter interview. And I have more in the pipeline, so definitely check that out. I also appeared in a kaiju movie, a little-known film called Zillafoot from 2021. I made a brief cameo in the film as Skywatcher number 2. It's got a rating of 3.7 out of 10 on IMDb, so if you want to watch more kaiju, you can buy the Blu-ray on srscinema.com or the DVD from any major online retailer. We only support just, peak cinema here, so you yeah. know, you know it's good. Yeah, so, you know, if if you don't want to pay for it, you can watch it for free on Tubi with ads or just buy it on Prime. You can also check out my action figure photography on my Instagram at ET13 underscore productions and my ex, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Thanks, Danny, at the same handle. Now, Rex, where can people find you at? Well, dear listeners, you can find me on YouTube at Rex Zeno, on Twitter at Rex underscore Xenomorph, and on Instagram, Rex underscore Zeno. And if you want to take a look at some of my writing, go check out the Tokusatsu Network. And as for the podcasts, don't forget to rate us on iTunes that boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people just like you. If you don't have an Apple device, which I don't blame you, I don't actually, that's a lie. I'm, I'm literally staring at my laptop and it says MacBook Pro, so I need to change that. But you can also rate us on Spotify now. That's something you can do. If you want to stay up to date with all things Kaiju Conversation related, follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook. If you're like me before podcasting and you don't have any social media, lucky you. You can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And you can email us questions, you can email us comments or thoughts or opinions. Just send us fan mail. We will happily read it, whether it's a DM on Twitter, a DM on Instagram, a DM on Facebook, a DM or an email or a DM on Discord, anything like we'll read it out. We'll read your reviews on air for everyone to hear. We also have a Teespring store. Eventually, we're going to have original artwork on there. I'm working on it. Um, but until then, you can sport our awesome logo on a T-shirt or maybe even a coffee mug. If you'd like to chat with us, check out our Discord server full of others that have similar interests to you. It looks like most recently in our general one chat, there was a discussion about the recent Godzilla statue that was put up in Japan, um, the Godzilla 1954 statue. Oh, in yeah. <laughs> it's a great community full of great people. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload a video. We sometimes post exclusives to the channel like bloopers for episodes or minisodes talking about news or other subjects. We also have an interview with Mechagodzilla designer Jared Kurchevsky on the channel. I definitely butchered his name. I'm sorry. 
but we also do monthly live streams where we have a guest on and we just chat it up. And a huge thanks to Rex for editing all of these episodes and all the other content we upload. His links can be found in the description below. Along with Rex, we'd like to give a huge thanks and shout out to Danny DeManna of the Godzilla Novelization Project for his amazing vocals on our theme song. You can support him by following him on Twitter at Danzilla93 underscore GNP or visit his website GodzillaNovelizationProject.com. And a huge thanks to Grattan Conwell from the podcast Giant Monster BS for composing the music for our theme song. You can support him by following the podcast on Twitter at Giant Monster BS or on any podcast platform under the name Giant Monster BS. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here. So thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. I... We are set, we are in debt, there's nothing to sweat. Life's too short now, baby. Courage is not too big now, baby. Courage His name's Elijah, baby. And also Rex now, baby. We love those kaiju, baby. And you will too now.